0: All right, we're continuing our sermon series through Deuteronomy, and we've been here long enough, I think it's time, uh, school's back in session for a pop quiz. So go ahead and pull a sheet of paper out, write your name at the top, number one through ten. I was, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It'll be, it'll be uh, verbal, verbal. All right, there's only one question, and the rule is this, uh, just one word answers only, okay? If uh, someone were to randomly ask you, like, what does the law require you to do? Like if, if one word, what is the law requiring from you? What would you say? Obedience. Obedience that's a good one. What else? Don't worry, this isn't in the Bible. So let's. Love. Love. Good. Any other thoughts? And those are the two best answers, so we don't need, you, know, you don't need to go for number three, four, five. No, I'm kidding. Um, this pop quiz was similar to a quiz that Jesus gave to someone in the New Testament or someone kind of gave to Jesus, Uh, he just put it back to them and said, well, why don't you go ahead and answer it? Um, I want to read from Luke chapter 10, uh, because this is Jesus interpreting the passages that we've been reading these past several months. All right, so turn it on. Always key, take a break, let it turn on, and then try it. Yes. All right, so on one occasion, an expert in the law uh, stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. All right, what do you think? Is that the right answer? Pretty darn good. Jesus said, uh, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So yeah, you, you guys are right. You know, in, in our obedience, in loving both God and others, that is what is required in the law. And, and this teacher of the law wanted to add, to, to inherit eternal life, right? So what, what we've been reading of the law is supposed to give us this eternal life, and it's through love. We talked last week about how we want to understand the laws that God had given to his people in the book of Deuteronomy in order to understand God's character, because God gave these laws in order that his people would reflect his character to the world, that people would understand who God is. That same principle applies to us, the church, that God wants us, his people, to reflect his character into the world so that they would understand who God is. And so when we read through these laws, we want to understand God's character And then maybe not apply them directly, but apply definitely the character that is being demonstrated through our lives. Uh, Now, we we looked at justice last week. We're looking at love this week. Um, I'm I'm not not so naive as to think that I need to convince you that God loves you or that uh, you also have to reflect God's love to the world. Uh, We literally say it every single time we meet uh, on Sunday, that our mission is to live God's love beyond ourselves so that Castle Rock can know God's love. Uh, so what I want to do this morning is more look at the individual laws and see how does God want His love to be reflected. Let's take a look at some very practical examples of how God wants His love to be lived out in everyday life, and maybe we'll see a little bit of a different angle, or we'll see a little bit more uh, of a challenge to us of how we should be loving others as we go about our everyday lives. Uh, so before we jump in, let's, uh, let's go ahead and pray and let's ask that God will be present uh, through his word this morning. So bow your heads and hearts with me. Lord, we come before you this morning uh, wanting to hear and to see uh, more of you. Uh, we want to uh, understand more of your love in the Bible and I pray that your spirit will be present and apply this word to our hearts in order that we might know you more and that you might call us uh, wherever you might be calling us this week. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Right on. All right. So I want to start in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22. We're going to be doing the first four verses. My uh, NIV translation, the Bibles that we have are NIV translations. It says uh, various laws is the section that we're on. Um, And so sometimes I think, you know, when I get to various laws, it's kind of like, you know, the editor was reading them. These don't really quite follow any sort of logical order. It's just kind of rapid fire, a bunch of different laws here. We'll lump them in various laws. Um, I think these are actually the laws that can reveal the most about God's character. You know, so when uh, we'll look in, in future weeks, we'll look at some laws that talk about, you know, how God wants us to worship him or the Israelites to worship him or what sort of uh, feasts and festivals they would have throughout the year. And there's a general pattern to how these will go. And then all of a sudden we've got, okay, and now also here's some some various laws tossed in. It's the ones that don't feel attached to any sort of, Topic or any sort of logical progression that reveal the things that God really cares about. Like, I almost imagine God saying, All right, here we go. We'll cover the worship. Yeah, we'll cover the justice. Ooh, oh, hold on. I've got a few things. I have to mention those. Boom, boom, boom. You know, it's like these are really important. They kind of stand out a little bit because um, they don't follow some sort of easily recognizable pattern of what God is doing, but He's saying this needs to be present within your community. And so, there's a couple laws here, and, and you'll be able to tell they reflect. Uh, God's love. All right, so with all of that, we'll do Deuteronomy 22 uh, verses 1 through 4. I'll just read it here. I don't know, do we have it in the back at all? Or if not, maybe, maybe grab it. Sorry, I didn't, uh, maybe I didn't put it in there. All right, 22, 1 through 4. If you see your fellow Israelites ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they do not live near you, or if you do not know who owns it, take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it, then give it back. Do the same if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else they have lost. Do not ignore it. If you see your fellow Israelites donkey or ox fallen on the road, do not ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. Okay. I mean, it's straightforward enough. I think this one's actually pretty easily uh, translatable or applicable into our own community. And yet, I don't really remember these laws at all growing up. Like, these weren't, you know, uh, hammered into my head. Like, keep this in mind. Um, the more likely mantra that I recall for situations such as these, or at least the more memorable one was finders, keepers, losers, weepers. You know, like we use that one a lot in elementary school. And this, this is obviously the complete opposite, right? Where, yeah, you find something that means that that's something is someone else's care for it until they come looking for it and then give it back. Uh, this ethic requires us to value other people's things as if they were our own. Not, not to treat them as if they're our own, but, but you have to value them the same way that you would value them. It, it echoes more the, uh, the popular mantra, you know, do unto others as you would have others do to you um, because you would want them to take care of your things. Your sheep is straying. Uh, you know, your kids, stray, I don't know whatever it applies, you know, in, in today's world. But you'd want them to care for your things as if you would care for, as you would care for those things. That's that's what this is requiring. And so the law principle. This illustrates uh, a pattern that we see all throughout the law of, of this love that we're supposed to have for one another uh, means that we are going to be carrying one another's burdens. Here's the the summary that I put it. Loving others requires picking up their burdens right? So, so there's no question on how this animal got out, right? Whose fault it was if you forgot to put a fence up or you forgot to shut the gate or, or, the, or the animal itself, you know, busted out. It doesn't talk about um, whether it's unforeseen circumstances, right? Or there's some blame to happen. It doesn't matter if you know the person or don't know the person. It doesn't even matter if it's a stranger to you. It doesn't matter if the person lives far, far away that you might never even see them. All it, all it says is if, there's, if someone's possession is coming to you, like your everyday life, you see it, you must take care of it, right? It's your responsibility now for, for them. So, so there's some sort of burden in this person's life. And if, it, if you come across it, okay, then I must pick up that burden. That, that is the law and that's a pattern of what God's love looks like in everyday life. If, you're bur- if you see burdens, you have to pick them up. All right, I'll illustrate it a little bit um, by a little bit of a tangent. So one concept that I really find fascinating is thinking about how to make work purposeful. So this started long before I was a pastor, when I was working at a healthcare software company. Uh, Me and a lot of other people, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, you want to have purposeful work. You wanna know that your work has meaning. Um, And for me, it was a little bit difficult because you're like, oh, I'm helping heal people. I was like, well, not really. You're helping like the IT departments at hospitals who are helping the people that are actually helping heal people. You know, you're like three times removed from the actual like point of care. Um, And so I was like, oh, well, how can I make sure that, you know, doing these issues or taking these calls is purposeful? Everyone wants this. Um, the conclusion is not just become a pastor, even though that's what I did. Uh, the conclusion is that you have to recognize in your job what what aspects reflect who God is and then lean into those because those are the, the areas where God is working in the world. And And some, some jobs are really simple, like being a pastor. You're like, okay, yeah, well, I'm doing God's work. You know, we're reading God's word. We're teaching it. We're encouraging people to follow him. Um, but there were some jobs that I really struggled with that concept, trying to apply. And especially uh, the very lowest menial jobs, kind of like the, well, you got to get them done, like washing the dishes, right? I read a, a book about Brother Lawrence, who was a monk like 500 years ago, who found joy and he found God's love in washing the dishes. And I'm like, man, if I could get there, I just feel like, I feel like everything gets unlocked, right? But as, as I've kind of thought more and more about this, I realize that there's a simplicity and a purity in reflecting God's love in some of those tasks that I completely overlook. Take for example, a garbage man. All right, what does the garbage man do? Oakley loves garbage men. He will tell you if you ever want to ask him what a garbage man does. But it's essentially this. They drive around with a massive truck, right? And one day a week, they, they grab bins that are full of all of our rubbish things that we don't have use for and don't really want. And they put it in the back, set it down, empty bin, go on to the next house, right? Over and over and over. And they take all those to a dump or incinerator or whatever your, your city's uh, solution is to trash. And so on the one hand, it's a very menial task, low task. I'm certainly glad that I don't have to do this myself. I don't have to haul my trash somewhere and drop it off and leave it. Uh, Great service. But what they're doing is they're essentially saying all the filth in your life, uh, all the byproducts of your living uh, that you don't want in your house, I will take care of. I will take that. Take that burden from you and I will leave you with an empty burden where you can fill it up again and you can continue going on your life. You know, imagine uh, what would life be if we didn't have anyone picking up our trash, right? And it just kind of accumulates. I'd live in filth, right? I mean, even if you had bags, like, where would you put them? You know, like, I mean, how many weeks before your your backyard is completely filled, like with trash? Can you imagine the smell, right? And then the bacteria that gets in there that you now have to live with, it's like, no, 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 this is death living in here, right? You know, it's like these burdens that we're creating for ourselves with our lifestyle have to be taken care of. Someone has to take care of it. And the garbage man's role is to come remove those burdens so that we can continue on with our lives, right? That's, that's the role of a Christian in life, right? Everyone generates burdens. Everyone has some sort of byproduct that they don't want, right? Life is not clean and smooth sailing. There are things that pull us back and things that pull us back into death. And we, we need help. Someone has to pick up. God says you are required to pick up those burdens. You, we are the garbage men, right? In, in order that other people might be able to live, Another example, I remember my very first job was working at McDonald's. And I don't know why I like McDonald's so much. I really, I really truly did work there. Um, saw all the insides and outs and I said, yes, this, is, this will be my favorite food. But my, my least favorite job at McDonald's was mopping because as soon as you finish, it, it needs to be done again. You know what I'm saying? Like you you guys have been there. I've seen it. I've seen it, right? So you, you walk into a fast food restaurant and there it is, caution wet floor sign, and then there's the little kid, you know, with like the mop on their shoulder, and you're like, sorry, you know, like you know, and you're like trying to make like as light a footprint as you can because you know that you you're just gonna absolutely dirty up the thing that they had just finished mopping, right? But at the same time, you know, fast food restaurants, they're open to everyone, a lot of foot traffic. You know, you can come in off your construction job, you can run through mud, and then, then they'll serve you food. And in order to kind of eat food, you know, we all would rather it be like a little bit clean. <laughs> you know, it's like there's a certain level of sanitation that we'd like to have. So someone has to take care of this mess, this byproduct that we're creating, these burdens that we're laying. And then the mopper is the one that picks up those burdens. It's, it's the mopper. That reflects purely, you know, what God's love looks like to the world. So th- this will transform all your chores. You know, it's like you got kids and you're picking up after them. You got to do your own dishes. You got to do your own laundry. All of these things is a reflection of God's love, saying, "I love this other person so much, so I'm going to carry their burdens for them. I'm going to pick them up so that they can continue on in life." Uh, but but it's also a living parable, right? These are common things that we all do at some point. And it should be a reminder, let it be a reminder, that we are supposed to carry others' burdens in all areas of life, right? Not just physical burdens of washing dishes, but when people are going through a tough time in life, we're called to pick up their burdens, right? If if they have self-destructive behavior, right, and you can see the death around them, we're called to pick up their burdens. This is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to reflect God's love to others in the world, And I want to make a a really clear point. So there were um, three three laws or three things they had to do in these four verses. Um, There were also three things that they couldn't do. It was the same thing over and over and over. I don't know if you guys caught it. I'm going to read it again and emphasize it. If you see your fellow Israelites ox or sheep straying, do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. If they do not live near you or if you do not know who owns it, take it home with you and keep it until they come looking for it, then give it back. Do the same if you find their donkey or cloak or anything else, they have lost. Do not ignore it. If you see your fellow Israelites donkey or ox falling on the road, do not ignore it. Help the owner get it to its feet. The biggest barrier that we have to actually picking up each other's burdens is just we'd rather not see it. <laughs> you know, like someone starts sharing that they're having their life falling apart. And you're like, "Ooh, I don't think we're this close. Like, I don't... Uh, I'll pray for you, you know, and then you dodge them. You don't reach out for another couple weeks. Hopefully things have kind of settled. They've blown past and then you reach out, right? Like that's human nature is to say your drama, uh, let's leave it your drama. You know, like I don't want want to pick up that because I might get messy myself, you know, because now all of a sudden I might be bringing drama into my life. Your burden looks a little too heavy, a little too ugly, a little too onerous. But here, required in the law, do not ignore it. You, aren't, you didn't say go go look for burdens, right? Go look for lost sheep, but no. If you're going about it and you see a burden, you pick it up. Do not ignore it. I think that's probably even more key than a mantra of saying, "Hey, let's take care of each other's things. Or let's pick up each other's burdens. Let's catch ourselves on the hey, don't ignore it. If you see a burden or someone reveals a burden to you, do not ignore it. I don't know what the, the right step would be, but it's clear three times: do not ignore it. That's God's will not to ignore the people with burdens, because God's heart doesn't ignore people with burdens, but he goes to them in order to save them and love them. All right, I've got another example as well. Uh, this time from Deuteronomy chapter 15. I think that was an easier one for uh, application. This next one's a little bit harder. Uh, again, just four verses. Uh, we're going to be Deuteronomy 15, 12 through 15. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you six years. In the seventh year, you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. So here again, um, I don't often find myself in a situation where someone has sold themselves to me uh, to repay a debt. Um, I am guessing you also don't find yourself in this situation very frequently. Um, this, is, this is one of those laws where you kind of read it and you're like, okay, that's, that's then. We'll, we'll kind of skip to one that maybe I can apply a little bit more. But th- there's certain things that stand out here that, that we have to understand because they reflect God's love. For one, the, the term of service, right? If someone you know, this isn't talking about uh, like American slavery where we would kidnap people and you would own them for life and you'd own their kids for life. This is talking about uh, like debt servitude, right? Like someone owes you a tremendous amount of money and they can't pay it. And so they're like, oh, let me work it off, you know? And so so like I'll sell myself or I'll sell one of my children, you know, and they will be yours and they will serve you. And then you say, okay, uh, that sounds about fair. But you know what's funny is that there is no understanding from a business sense of when that debt is repaid that person is free in the seventh year, period, right? Like like business decisions are not made with economic principles here. They're made with principles of love and of grace and of mercy. And again, you know, we talked about justice last week. Just just as a reminder, we said God is just and the guilty have to pay, but tempered with mercy. So here we see the debtor will have to pay, but tempered with mercy, just six years, regardless of the, the amount of the debt. That doesn't even come into play here. There's, there's none. Okay, and if it's 50% more, then you got to give, you know, an additional six years and blah blah. No, no, it's just every six years, that seventh year you have to let them go free. Surprising. See, and God, and clearly, clearly, God, look, hmm. I, I don't, I don't know if I would have said this if I was alive, what like two, three hundred years ago in America. But like, God never intended us to own other people, right? Like, like that is not justified at all in here. The very fact that He's saying after six years you have to let them go free, it's like because you don't actually own them right? You know, it's like the same principle. You know, we're talking about the people's things. It's like the person, if they sell themselves to you, it's like, well, well, you're just taking care of them. They're not yours, you know, and eventually you're going to give them back their freedom. And when you do, you don't just say goodbye. No, it says supply them liberally from your flock, your threshing floor, and your wine press. You're supposed to be generous. Give them a gift. They should be better off leaving, having worked for you, and now have a leg up, right? You know, we talk about Loving others requires picking up their burdens. In this case, it's picking up the person themselves, right? There's desperate times if they're having to say, here, you, here, I will pay off my debt by, by working for you. And then at the end of it, you take good care of them and then you give them enough so that they can be back into society, right? Not so they just got to go find another master, right? It's like, well, I don't, I don't have any, no, supply them liberally. Like give them the ability to get back up, right? Actually carry their burdens, even if it means the person themselves. And then there's the justification. Why do we do this? You know, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. They, they had had a shared experience where they knew what it was like to be burdened by slavery in Egypt. And God said, I will choose you out of my love. I will pick up you out of, out of slavery and place you in the promised land so that you even have the ability to generate wealth, to even have a good life. So just remember, that's where everything happened. So if someone comes to you burdened with slavery, you do not treat them the way that maybe other nations treat them. You treat them as I have treated you. Don't you remember, you were burdened with slavery out of that graciousness that you've received, may that be passed on to other people. And so then we're saying, okay, well, I mean, we don't have that shared experience, you know, like we weren't all like slaves in Egypt, you know, like do we still have to do this or is the logic still the same? Like, oh, yeah, I mean, the whole book of Romans has something to say about that. You know, like we all are burdened by our slavery to our own sin, our own selfish desires opposed to God. were, We're burdened by death by our own decisions, and yet God in his love for us, while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's Romans 5, Romans 5, 8. And so by dying for us, it enables us to live in him. This is Romans chapter 6, (laughs) where the love that we've experienced as Christ followers is the same love that the Israelites in Deuteronomy had experienced. We have the exact same shared experience where God had taken us, even though we didn't deserve it, to st- decides to give us love and place us in a place where we can now have life. So if anyone comes to us in our life requiring some sort of s- substance, oh, sustenance, yes, yes, that's it. I, I said it like five times in my head before I said it three times out loud, but no, no, requiring some sort of uh, care or provision. Hey, I'll use those words. We have to respond in the same way that God responded to us, right? We don't have the option of saying, I am better than you, or like, I, you're, you're now indebted to me. We have to have the same consideration where we're equals, and in fact, we're all just sinners saved by grace, and out of the abundance of love that we've received, we now demonstrate love. Here's, the, here's a summary verse, just, just to prove to you that Romans 5 and 6 says what, I, what I'm saying It says, Uh, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Uh, this is a summary sentence. I mean, go read all of Romans chapter five and chapter six. It says this whole thing, that we were burdened with our death. That's the burden we needed to be picked up and that's what, exactly what God did, gave us life. And so when we wanna love others, we're gonna find the burdens and we're gonna pick them up, even if it means the person themselves so that they might have life. That's how we're, that's how we're meant to reflect it. Uh, this, uh, the applications here abound. <laughs> you know, like, like who in your life Uh, owes you a service. You know, the way our society is set up is quite a bit. You know, I mean, we live in an economy that's very interconnected. Go to a grocery store and you pay to have someone stock the shelves, you know, or check out your groceries, you know, or you go fly a plane and there's the the front desk clerk, you know, or the stewardess. No, they call them flight attendants now. Um, (laughs) uh, The Uber drivers, you know, the the person who takes your ticket, you know, at the movie theater, the handyman that comes to fix your faucet, you know, whatever it is. We interact with people all the time that owe us a service. How should we treat them? Well, at least like this, right? Like out of the same love that God had given us even though it was undeserved. So so there's really no grounds for treating anyone poorly, ever. (laughs) I mean, we know this though, right? You know, but like, how can we maybe even go beyond that? Where it's like, how can we have radical kindness or radical generosity for people that don't deserve it? I mean, that's what we're talking about that we receive from God. That's, that's what this law is talking about. Like, no, no, don't just release them after seven years. Release them with liberal gifts from what you have benefited from. You know, it's like, oh, what? You know, so like, we should tip generously. We should tip where tips aren't even like appropriate. You know, we should, we should care about someone in ways that are um, unique and perhaps inappropriate. You know, it's like, well, oh, hold on, let's not make this personal. It's like, well, I just care about you. This isn't a business transaction because God has said even my business transactions are gonna be dictated by God's love, not by economic acumen. And so that, oh, I mean, we, um, I don't know. We'll take time. How about that? At the end, we can discuss <laughs> how do we do this? How do we treat other people? I want to go back to that pop quiz, though, that Jesus gives this man kind of, the man gives Jesus, he turns it back on him, he's like, well, what does the law say? Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, absolutely. But that guy had the same feeling we all feel, like, what if I just know the right answer, but I'm not actually, like, living the right answer? Then what do we do? And that's, that's exactly where this man goes. It says he asked a follow-up question to try to justify himself. Like, Jesus, could you maybe explain that whole love your neighbor a little bit more just in case I'm, like, not quite doing it? And Jesus indulges him and shares one of the most powerful and memorable parables of his entire ministry. I want to read it to you. So we're in Luke 10, uh, 25, all the way down to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho of the good Samaritan demonstrates the law of Deuteronomy. God's love. What does that look like? What well, it looks like if someone's lost a, a sheep or an ox or their donkey has fallen into a ditch, you, you, you lift their burden up, right? So that they can go on with their life. If, if it's the person themselves who is in, in a bad place, you lift that person up so they can go on with their lives. Jesus illustrates by saying, if there's a person lying in a ditch on a road, you lift that person up. What did, what did the Levite do and the priest do? Yeah, they saw him and they said, I'm dodging that one. <laughs> you know, like, can't, oh, that, that guy looks sad shape, you know? And yet, the law was clear. Do not ignore it. Do not ignore it. Do not ignore it you are called to lift up someone's burdens, even if it means the person itself, right? Literally lift the person up, right? And who, who is the neighbor? What's well, the Samaritan, right? So all of a sudden we have all these questions like, well, is it just the church that we're supposed to do this for? You know, the people that we're like together with? He's saying, no, it's, it's the outsider, the, the ones that you won't even include. That's what it looks like for a neighbor. Jesus extends us. This. this is everyone. Any burden that you pass, you lift them up. That's what, that's what we do. That's what Christ followers do. That's always been the expectation of God, Old Testament, New Testament. And if you have any shred of doubt whether or not Jesus was telling a story, a metaphor, or if he actually wants us to follow this and do it, this is how the story ends. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is what God expects from us, clearly, Unequivocally, we don't. We don't have to ask questions and play games. Is this Deuteronomy applicable today? No. We are called to pick up people's burdens. That's what loving others requires. That's what God's love has done for us. And so we say, at Beyond Church, we live God's love beyond ourselves, so that all of Castle Rock might know God's love. Are we picking up people's burdens? Right? Like, let's grade ourselves on this pop quiz. What burdens have we picked up for other people? May we emulate God's love for ourselves as we love others. It's not an emotion or a feeling. It's an action of picking up burdens that they might live. All right, let's pray this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love. Uh, We admit we take it for granted. Uh, We admit we don't sit in it, think on it, let it wash over us, let it transform us the way that Uh, You probably intended to. May you, God, uh, direct us and guide us that we might love in the way that you've loved us. May we see the burdens around us, and may you give us the strength, the courage, you know, the uh, the abilities to even be able to pick up the burdens that we see and move people forward so that they might know life. This is what you've done for us, God. We thank you for that offer of life. We thank you for your unmerited love, and I ask that we would reflect that clearly to the people around us. We thank you, Lord. We love you. we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. We've got discussion questions, and we've given you a little bit extra time this morning to really talk through all of these. I think one of the benefits of going through these laws will be our discussions and our applications. What does this look like for us? Um, Us generally, but also like you specifically, (laughs) like in your life. Uh, Here's the three questions that um, I'd love for your discussions to be based around. Uh, First of all, more of an icebreaker, what jobs do you do that reflect God's love, right? So I gave you a few examples, but what do you do that you can see this this is what God's love looks like? Number two, even if you don't see a burden, uh, how do these passages instruct you to treat others, right? So how should we be treating others? Um... Is there any any way to express God's love in a normal context? What 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 is that supposed to look like? And then lastly, what burdens exist around you, and how can you pick them up? Real practical. We'll take 15 minutes uh, to discuss, and then I'll come up and I'll dismiss us all uh, at the end.